Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. Friends, my name is Brittany. I'm your pastor, and I'm so glad to be here. Um, <clears throat> I want to say a couple things before I start preaching. Uh, should have written this down. Caitlin, thank you for your testimony. Guys, it is like one of the scariest things in the world is to stand up here and be brave enough to share a little bit of how God's working in your life. And so thank you for that bravery, for, for being bold. We call that courage, boldness. Um, and please, if I ask you, say yes so that I can get some of those lined up for June. Um, no, that was, uh, Second, I want to acknowledge Happy Mother's Day for those who are mothers. And I also want to name that this is like a really complicated day, right? Some folks have desired to be mothers, and they aren't. Um, for whatever reason, and so that I, my heart aches with you. I know what that is like, um, having having had a long road of infertility. Uh, some folks um, have great relationships with their moms. Some people have really heartbreaking relationships with their moms because we're human beings and we're messy. Um, and so I know it can be hard for that reason too. And so um, wherever you are, I wish you peace and joy in today um, and reconciliation. And then I feel like I was going to say something else. Oh, <clears throat> the last thing I was just going to say is, uh, Greg, thank you for leading worship um, today. Uh, Greg's our assistant worship leader, and our worship leader, Jay, is in Wicker Park um, So this week. So last week I was preaching in Wicker Park um, we have four sites across the city, and one of the great things about me being a multi-site ministry is that when uh, one of your pastors, Hannah, is on maternity leave, we all get to kind of come together and, and support one another, and when your worship leader in Wicker Park, after five and a half years, um, transitions into a new ministry, we get to all share in that, so I'm so thankful for Jay to, to be there today. And I know in the months ahead, um, as I transition into a new ministry role, um, you all are going to get to experience some of the great pastoral leadership from other, some of the other sites, too. Um, and I, I do want to say, I know there's some anxiety, because uh, change is hard, uh, but next week I'm really excited to announce uh, the plan that our staff parish has met and decided upon, and um, we're just waiting for the kind of final okay from the bishop and cabinet um, who meet tomorrow. So uh, we'll be able to announce that. So come at 1045 next week, and we'll have an all-community gathering for that. So any questions? Awesome. All right, so let us um, begin now this time of, of preaching with prayer. Holy and gracious God, you give to us the sacred text. Stories that show who you are and how you work in this world and what it means to be a follower. Um, in the reading of this word and in the words of my mouth, may we come to know you a little more. May we come to catch a little bit more of your vision for this world. 
and we'll, maybe we become a little bit more convicted about how to live our life going forward. We pray this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So uh, about a month ago, uh, Taylor and uh, myself and uh, Pastor Christian, who's our lead pastor for our Urban Village Church, went to the Chicagoland Church Planting Alliance. And um, it w- we met at the Vineyard Church, which is really great. This is a group of about 100 uh, church planters across the Chicagoland area. Um, and, and what's interesting about this group is that um, I am definitely in the minority um, I mean, we, nobody, like, goes and wears a big, like, gay letters across their head, but I, I have a feeling um, I might have been one of the only folks there like that, and uh, definitely there weren't a lot of women that were serving in a pastoral role either. Um, at one point, one of the speakers said, it's so great to be here among so many pastors and also women of God, um, and so it was just this sort of, like, implied, right? Um, and so, like, there's part of me that will say, well... If they can't accept me fully, then I'm not going to be there, right? Or if they can't see my ministry, then I'm not going to put up with them. But you know what, y'all? We are all working to share the gospel love in this city. And um, I need them, and they need me. Um, And Taylor and I reflected a little bit, like, I think my stance might have been a little bit like, come on, bring it. Um, (laughs) And I went there expecting to be met by God's grace, Um, and be transformed. And I hope that the same thing happened, right? We are witnesses to one another of what this gospel life can do. So um, I went, that was kind of a tangent, but I feel it's important because sometimes we don't play well with each other, right? If we we feel like we're on different sides. Um, But I went and they went and it was awesome. And one of the parts that was especially convicting for me was when the keynote speaker, Ed Stetzer, got up and spoke about evangelism. Now, for those of you that don't know Ed Stetzer, he's a pretty great guy. He's, he started like four or five churches, which is kind of, I can't even imagine. Um, and uh, he's currently the Billy Graham Distinguished Chair of Church Mission and Evangelism at Wheaton College. He's also serving um, as a teaching pastor. I don't know if it's I think it's interim, well, I don't know, at Moody um, Church. Um, So he's doing a lot of really great things. And uh, during his lecture, he said something to me. You know how, like, when you're talking with someone or you hear a lecture from someone and then they just, like, say something that's, like, the truth, but it hurts, right? He did that for me. Um, So he talked about how... um, At his staff meeting every week, he asks his staff members to share a point in the past week when they had shared the gospel. Um, And he went on to say that his research shows that once a church moves from planting mode into sort of a more established um, way of being, that the people in the church stop evangelizing and they only rely on marketing campaigns. And when he said that, I was like, oh, I've been exposed. Um, because I found that to be true in my life. When, when we were in planting mode, we've been around for six and a half years now. Uh, when we were in planting mode, I was looking for anybody and everybody to be able to share um, the gospel story with, right? To be able to share God's love. And, you know, uh, though I share the gospel, I think, I hope, weekly when I preach, I share it. We talk about sin and salvation and how God's on your side and how God's always got you and um, that there's nothing you can do to make God love you any more or less. We talk about these things in one-on-one conversations. I don't do it with people I don't know. I've just kind of stopped doing that. 
Um, and so it just, uh, his, his words just sort of unsettled me a little bit and convicted me. Uh, so he went on to talk about how evangelizing can be super sloppy. It can feel forced. Um, and um, we are scared that we might offend someone. So we often use all these excuses for not doing it. He named how it takes practice, though. It takes practice and reflection and more practice and more reflection um, for it to feel natural. But when we do, it becomes as natural as... Um, okay, let me try this. Just shout out. Uh, what's your favorite coffee shop? Go ahead. Okay. Um, what's your favorite pie place? Okay. Uh, what's your favorite um, gym? Okay, only one person works out in this room. Okay, that's... Um, <laughs> thank you, Michelle, for being a model of health for us. Um, so uh, what I was trying to say is it becomes as natural as sharing anything else in our life, right? We're, we're not scared we're going to offend somebody um, if we share a favorite pie shop or a favorite dentist. Um, so hopefully you only have one dentist, but um, you get my point. Um, now I want to pause for a moment and name that evangelism, I've, I've said evangelism several times and I've known some twitches, um, I want to name that it can be a hard word to swallow sometimes. Any of you, as I say evangelism, are you twitching? Every time I say evangelism, evangelism, evangelism. How you, are you guys doing okay? Hold somebody's hand next to you. Um, it can feel hard, right? Um, I, um, it's been co-opted, the word. Uh, For much of my 20s, I understood evangelism to mean sharing the bad news that Christianity believes that homosexuality is a sin and you should change your way or else you're going to hell. Um, And to be honest, I was kind of thinking like, well, I don't want to be any part of evangelism. Like that does not actually sound like good news to me. Um, But what I want to say is that that word has been co-opted and we want to reclaim it. Because really what evangelism means, it comes from the word evangel. In short, it means good news. Evangelism is sharing the good news that God sees the ways we try and we mess up and we try again. And God says, I've been there. I know what it means to be human. Here, put your trust in my grace. And when you do, I will give you freedom and authenticity and wholeness. Evangelism is sharing the good news. Turn to someone and say, good news. Evangelism is sharing the good news that God is on our side. And if we truly believe it's good news, then of course we want to share it with everyone we come across. Now, um, in our scripture passage today, we see Philip buoyed by this good news. If Philip was in a staff meeting with Ed Stetzer, he'd probably come with like 10 stories of how he'd shared the gospel in the past week, right? He is on fire. 
And so as we're kind of moving in this whole sermon series on evangelism, I'm so glad you guys showed up today, knowing last week we talked about evangelism, and this week too. As we move through this sermon series, um, I want to talk today about what does successful evangelism look like? So that's our topic. What does successful evangelism look like? Now, the first time I heard this scripture passage, I grew up in a church that I did, a couple weeks ago, Taylor said that if she hadn't memorized the Bible by the time she was eight years old, she was on the path, the, 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 the wide path. <laughs> That's the, I, I grew up in a church that we were not into, like, I was not an Awana, I didn't memorize scripture, right? And so the first time I actually can remember hearing the scripture passage was um, as a biblically-based argument for why the church should practice LGBTQ inclusion, my campus minister pointed out that eunuchs were sexual minorities, and because of this, they were banned from entrance into the temple. Uh, they were seen as ritually unclean, and so not deserving fully of God's love. But Peter, attentive to the Holy Spirit, crosses the boundary that had been created and shares with this eunuch the good news, the gospel. He doesn't tell the eunuch that they must change their identity or that it's sinful. Um, He simply shares God's radical love and expects that this good news will allow the eunuch to find freedom and authenticity and wholeness. Now, as we think about how to share the good news with those around us, I see some really helpful things of what Peter is doing in the scripture passage. So I want to spend a couple minutes thinking about three things. The first thing is that Peter is attentive to the Spirit, okay? An angel from the Lord spoke to... I just keep calling him Peter. I'm sorry. Somebody's supposed to correct me. (laughs) Philip, Philip. You were? Okay, yeah. Poor Philip. I like Peter better, as you can tell. Um, I'm kidding. Um, An angel from the Lord spoke to Philip, at noon, take the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he did. The Spirit told Philip, approach the carriage and stay with it. I believe that the Holy Spirit nudges us multiple times a day. And we have the opportunity to either respond or not respond. Sometimes I think we don't respond because we're not in tuned and we don't perceive that the Spirit is calling us. Sometimes I think we don't respond because we're not bold enough or brave enough. That's one of the reasons I love our, one of our values is boldness. We want to respond. We want to be bold in following the Spirit's leading. I have a friend uh, that often does what she perceives the Holy Spirit is calling her to do. Um, She has picked up hitchhikers before. She's gotten into conversations with total strangers. And she she says that when she does, she realizes that uh, God always shows up in those connections. But there's also times when she hasn't. She shared with me one time, it was about 10 years ago, she was in a Waffle House. Can I get an amen? A Waffle House. Um... (laughs) Uh, She was in a Waffle House, and she perceived the Spirit to be calling her to reach out to this man that was in a booth next to her. But for whatever reason, that day, she was in a hurry. She wasn't feeling bold enough. She did not say anything or do anything. Ten years later, she tells me, I still regret not 
acting on that calling? What if this man was in an all-time low in his life and he needed to hear good news? What if God had given me that call and I didn't step in? I think in all things, we have to be attentive to the Spirit. Number two, ask big questions. Running up to the carriage, Philip heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you really understand what you're reading? Now, on the one hand, when I read this piece of the scripture passage, I can think Philip's question is kind of a little bit condescending. Well, do you really understand what you're reading? You know, after all, this eunuch would have been quite scholarly, had a prominent position in the queen's court, uh, would have been able to decipher what they were reading. But Philip's question is really grounded in the knowledge that scriptures are more than a literary text. The scriptures aren't just something we read, Right? We know as people of God that the scriptures show us the way to God's plan of salvation. So Philip's question is opening the door for this deeper conversation. I read a newsletter that every week reminds me that when leaders ask the right questions, it opens doors to new possibilities and deeper levels of examination. I want you to just think about your own life when you visited with friends What has the most impact for you? Is it when they tell you how it is and what you should do? Or is it when they ask you a question that causes you to kind of step back and see something differently? Or maybe it's a question you've asked a friend, right? I think asking big questions is what allows us to go deeper with strangers. And I found this true in my own life. Third, wait for the invitation. The man replied, without someone to guide me, how could I? Then he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me about whom does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or someone else? So in our text this week, we read that the eunuch is coming from Jerusalem. And what we know is that Jerusalem and Ethiopia are very far away. Now, at this time, the idea that um, the the length of your journey, the amount of distance you've traveled is a measure of your faithfulness, right? To take a big journey shows your devotion. And so it's clear that this eunuch is highly devoted, and yet um, probably arriving at the temple was not allowed access because of who he is. So here's this person who by many standards has it all together, is a high court official, um, uh, is scholarly, probably wants for nothing physically, and yet they are spiritually hungry. So when someone invites you in, it is probably because they are spiritually hungry. So to recap, when we are attentive to the Spirit, when we ask big questions and we wait for an invitation, I believe that we will always have the opportunity to share God's amazing love. Now, sometimes it's going to be sloppy. I'm going to talk about one of my sloppy attempts in a minute. But even when it's sloppy, we have to know that God is going to show up. And even if it doesn't end in an immediate baptism, right, on the spot, because 
Usually you're not by a river anyway, right? You can be rest assured that you have planted a seed of invitation for that person. So about a month ago, I was so convicted by Ed Stetzer's talk, and I still am, as you can tell, I'm preaching about it now, um, that I was like, yes, I'm going to make this a sort of metric for myself. Um, That night, I was hanging out in Taste of Heaven, and yeah, see, there's another place I can evangelize about, right? Um, And uh, I was thinking, like, I want to share the good news with someone. So I had a one-on-one, and then I had a little, uh, like an hour break, and then I had another one-on-one. Um, so after my one-on-one was over, I pulled out my computer, and I thought I'd do a little bit of work, and I went to plug it in, and I realized that the table I was at, there was no outlets available. So I um, kind of looked around, and then I was thinking, I was beginning to think, well, I have enough charge, it'll be fine. But the, this guy at the table right next to me um, was like, well, you can move over here and sit at my table, if you'd like, um, and, and plug in right over there. And for those of you guys that have been in, in Taste of Heaven, I go there at night because there's like tons of tables and usually nobody else in there. And so I was like, that's so kind of you that I can sit at the table with you. But if I really needed to, I could just move to one of the eight other eight tables that are open by an outlet. <laughs> um, so I said, thank you anyway. And I went about my business. A little bit later, I went to the bathroom, and I came back, and, and I was just, like, convicted. I was like, this is my guy. <laughs> he already kind of expressed interest, right? So I, uh, so call it uh, being open to the Holy Spirit or my own agenda or maybe a combination of the both. Um, I thought, you know what, I can get to know him and just, just kind of see if there's an invitation there or not. So as I walked by the table, I just sort of kind of said, hey, thanks so much again for offering your space. That was really kind. And he immediately responded um, by engaging me in conversation. And I was like, yes, this is going well. So he says, you look like a teacher, are you? Which I have to ask, like, what does looking like a teacher mean? Is it the glasses? Is it, like, I don't know. But I said, well, you know, I was a long time ago, but I'm, I'm not anymore. I'm a pastor now. And he said, oh, I grew up in a church, um, but I'm not part of one now. And so that was my end, I felt, to ask a big question. And my big question was basically, what happened? Um, and he talked about uh, how he grew up on the West Side, and he experienced and witnessed a lot of violence, and he wasn't sure that the church showed up, and he wasn't sure where God was in that Um, And so I turned the conversation and I talked a little bit about what systemic sin and evil looks like and how it's really hard to break out of that. Um, And he then kind of turned the conversation and wanted to talk about personal sin. And I'm thinking, man, this is going well. This is my invitation, right? He wants to talk about personal sin. Um, And so I was able to share with him uh, my understanding of of sin, which is, um, I love that I just got a text from you, Janelle. do I need to read it? Okay. Um, and I told him how, I don't know how I'm going to do this, and now I'm nervous, like I got in trouble or something. Is it how teachers dress? Is that what you're going to tell me? <laughs> I, you know what? I, I didn't share this with you all. My uh, printer is broken, and I tried to go get new ink, and I didn't know the kind, and so my printer wouldn't print, and so I'm like trying to use technology, and it's making me really nervous now. Um, <laughs> I'll read that later. But if anybody else wants to text me, feel free. I have my phone up here. 
Um, so what was I talking about? Oh, and so I talked about how sin is the human propensity to remember this, F things up, right? And so I was able to share that, and I talked about, but, but sin is also an invitation for us to turn toward God and trust in God's grace, and that our journey of faith, you know, it has these ups and downs, but it is a life long, and y'all, I was feeling really good. Like, I, I feel like I pulled out all my tricks that, um, that I talk about in Starting Point. And then based on a couple of things that he said, I realized that we had both come into this conversation with very different agendas. I came into this conversation with the agenda to share the gospel. And he, you know, it's like, it's like you're talking to people and you realize, like, I'm going here and he's going here. I came in this conversation to share the gospel, and he came in the conversation to share his phone number. Um, and so I realized this, and I gracefully made my way back to my seat and was thankful that my one-on-one came a couple of minutes later. Whew. So later that night, I texted Christian to talk about a sloppy attempt at sharing the gospel. So later that night, I uh, texted Christian and Taylor, and I said, I just had a sloppy attempt at sharing the gospel. I think he was trying to pick me up. And Christian said, whatever it takes. (laughs) Friends, I had, apparently he's into teachers, right? I had a sloppy attempt. And it didn't end the way the scripture did, which is probably good because I really didn't have time that night to make my way back to Chicago from Azatas, wherever that is. I had a sloppy attempt at the gospel, but I cannot discount that I was being attentive to the spirit. I cannot discount That in that sloppy attempt, I planted a seed of God's love and grace. I cannot discount that in some way, he was more convicted or knew more of God's love in that moment than he did before he walked into the coffee shop. Friends, evangelism can be sloppy, But that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. This good news that we have, it's too big to hold on to, right? This good news that we have, it's too fantastic to keep to ourselves. This good news that we have is life-saving for someone who is drowning. This good news that we have, it is worth sharing. Can I get an amen to that? Even if you don't believe it. It's worth sharing. So it may be sloppy. It may not feel natural at first, but how can we keep it to ourselves? Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, 
You are the love that will not let us go. And so do not let us go. Do not let us be bystanders in our faith. Buoy us with this good news. Compel us to share it with any and everybody that we meet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're now at the time in our service where we are going to receive offering. If this is your first time here, your offering to us is your tear-off slip. Let us know who you are, what you're interested in, maybe how you came to UVC. Um, and uh, uh, you will get a follow-up message then um, for coffee to, um, to get to know more about UVC and to get to chat with each other. Um, if you are a regular attender, your offering is still, uh, your presence is still an offering, and we hope that you are prayerfully considering how you can support the uh, ministry here financially as well, so that we can continue to share God's love.